have your Bibles tonight, the book of Mark chapter 1, the book of Mark chapter number 1 tonight. I want to begin reading in the 14th verse of Mark chapter number 1, verse number 14 this evening. The scripture says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. That's the reading of the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, if correctly read tonight. I want to preach on this thought from treasures from the book of Mark, this thought, calling his disciples. Jesus is calling his disciples. He, he didn't just stop at Simon, and, Simon Peter and Andrew. He went a little further and he went after James and John. I'll be honest, he didn't stop there either, did he? He got Matthew and Thomas. He didn't stop there either. He called you and he called me and, and I believe he's still calling. We, we've seen the last month scores of souls saved and I thank God for, for what he's done where we've got to go preach in places. Praise the Lord for that. But he's still calling his disciples. I believe that tonight. Father, thank you for the word. Lord, I pray now that you might help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to preach, Father. Tonight I cannot. Lord, I'm not able Father, but you are. And Lord, I lean upon you. Lord, my, my dependency, my trust is upon you. Help us tonight, God, as we try to share the word of God, to try to be an encouragement to somebody. Help us, God, to cast the net on the right side. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. These verses portray the calling of Jesus' first disciples. These first disciples were all fishermen. A disciple is known as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that just as these disciples became fishers of men, the Lord expects you and I as followers, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ to become fishers of men. I don't know anything more thrilling, to be honest with you, than to go around sharing the gospel that Jesus saves, telling men that they can have saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How is it tonight that you can be a, a fisher of men? It's to be a soul winner. The Lord is calling us to be soul winners. You may say, Preacher Darren, I don't like that term. You don't win souls. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirty, he that winneth souls is wise. So if you don't believe in winning souls, you don't believe Proverbs eleven thirty. There it is. When we fish for fish, we take that fish from a beautiful life into our boat where it dies. But when we go fishing for men, we take men out of death and bring them into a beautiful life. 
thank God, what a thought. There was a pastor at the end of World War II. Uh, there was a young boy of the congregation there that went off into service and uh, he was missing in action and soon they said that he was, he was killed and word came back to the parents. They went through the process of having a funeral but they didn't have a body and shortly after the funeral, word came through the State Department, Pastor, we believe this young man is still alive and he's coming home back to see his mother and we don't have time to report this for reporting all the deaths that are going around your community. Pastor, will you go and see that young man's mother and tell her he's still alive and he'll be coming to see her in a few days. Can you imagine being told that your son was dead only and having a funeral only to find out that he's still alive? Can you imagine as the pastor your duty is to go and tell some mother that's brokenhearted that her son is still alive? Can you imagine? And Pastor Level went over there. Do you, listen, I have a question. Do you think he waited? Nah, I'll go see him when I have a convenient time. Do you think he thought, well, you know, I, I'm pretty busy right now um, and, and I'm worried that his mother might not receive this well. I think I'll wait. No, bless God. As soon as he got word, he left out excitedly, uh, filled with anticipation and joy and told that mother that her son was alive and she was in shock. She almost didn't even believe it until about a week and a half later, the boy came knocking on her door and said, Mama, they reported it wrong. Listen, y'all, we have the gospel. And we're to go out sharing the gospel that Jesus is alive to lost men that are dead and trespassing sins that they might have life. Why do we tarry? Why do we wait till it's a convenient time for us to go? Why do we worry they won't receive it? It's our job to go tell them. I've told my wife this three times this week. You know what, if I was a sinner, and the older you get as a sinner, the harder it is in your life. What do you mean, preacher? The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. It's hard. I, I just admire you bunch of sinners. It's hard to continue being a sinner. It's hard to live that awful old life, amen? It's, it's easy to be saved. Well, the best thing I've ever done is get saved. And the best thing I've ever done is live for Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. People who share the gospel are fishers of men. Number one, we see our Savior. He is, number one, the caring Savior. Watch him as he makes his move. The Bible says John the Baptist is put into prison. We know he was put in prison because he stood up and said, it's not Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And John the Baptist was the ambassador. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming king. He prepared the way for this man Jesus and now he's locked up in a prison cell. And it is royal protocol. I looked it up again today. It is royal protocol that for a forerunner to finish his ministry, to finish his message, to finish his introduction before the main feature walks out. And now John the Baptist is removed. He's put up in prison and all of a sudden here comes the Lord Jesus Christ Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus makes his move at the right point. The forerunner is now locked up and here comes Jesus forward. And not only the right point, but he's coming forward to the right place. My Bible says that he came into Galilee. You know where his first miracle was? Cana of Galilee. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. 
He went into the synagogue one day and read the scripture and said, this is fulfilled in your ears and the people wouldn't hear it and threw him out. They tried to kill him. They rejected him and now he's left Nazareth to come into Galilee. Don't forget, who's the ruler of Galilee? It's Herod. The same one who locked up John the Baptist is the same one who's large and in charge in Galilee. And Jesus is not trying to escape Nazareth. He's coming into Galilee. He's not trying to run from Herod. He's going to stand and preach the gospel in the region of Galilee. Galilee is a densely populated place. I went back and looked up the antiquities of Josephus. Josephus says there are 204 villages in Galilee at that time every one of them having a population more than 15,000. If they were all just 15,000 times 204 villages in the region of Galilee, that's over 3 million people in 1,500 square miles. It's densely populated. It's a dark place too. The deeds of the people are evil. Sinful practices abound. Worldly ways are commonplace. Wickedness abounds in the region. The people, when John the Baptist was arrested, they were glad. The religious leaders were happy. It's a dark place. Hey, the Bible says, parallel passage, the people which sat in darkness, they saw great light. Here's Jesus the light of the world, John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He's walking into a region of darkness. He's walking into a dark place. The Bible says, turn with me. Proverbs chapter 4. Read Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 19. Proverbs 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is darkness. They know not at what they stumble. What about that? To be lost is to live in the darkness. Look at the preceding verse, verse 18. But the path of the just is as shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Thank God Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He's come to a dark place. And let me tell you something, that in a dark place, the light shines the brightest in a dark place. Hey, doesn't he shine tonight, amen? The Bible tells us that he came into Galilee. In other parallel passages, he came to a certain village in Galilee where he set up headquarters, Capernaum. It means uh, the, the place of compassion, the village of compassion. That's where Jesus set up his headquarters. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to turn to John chapter 7, verse 52. Now the Jewish leaders, they scoff at Jesus. They scoff at Jesus for coming out of Nazareth. They scoff at Jesus for coming out of Galilee. It's considered a hick region, a sinful dark region. When Jesus says his headquarters are in Capernaum of Galilee, they laugh at him. Watch how they scoff. John chapter 7, verse 52. Watch what the religious leaders say. They answered and had said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Question mark. Search and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. That's what they said. But how they were wrong. In Isaiah uh, chapter number 9, verse number 1, it speaks about how the Lord Jesus 
would come out of Galilee, uh, Naphtalim, and Zebulun, out of those regions. That's where the Messiah would come out of. So number one, we see the caring Savior, the Master, is making his move, uh, going forward at the right point and to the right place. May I say, when he's four days late, he's still on time. May I say, when he found you, when he found me, he found us right on time. Thank God for it. Number two tonight, looking back in our text in Mark chapter four, when the Lord Jesus, the caring Savior comes, what's he doing? Verses 14 and 15, he is communicating salvation. What is the master's message? Verse 14, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15, he's preaching the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. The central point of Jesus' ministry is that sinners need to repent. It's not miracles that it's his primary ministry. It's preaching. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So when Jesus came preaching from Galilee, they believed he was fool number one. We know that Jesus preached the same message that John preached. You're in Mark chapter one. Look in verse four. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance. John preached, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is preaching in verse 15 the very same message. Repent ye and believe the gospel. After Jesus called these four disciples, yea, when he called 12 disciples in chapter 6, what did they preach? Look at chapter 6, verse number 12. What did the disciples preach? What is their message? Mark 6, verse 12 tells us they went out and preached that men should repent. To repent is to be converted. It is a change of heart, a change of purpose, a change of direction, a change of mind, and a change of the will. What is it that Bethel Baptist Church needs to be preaching? We need to be preaching repentance. We need to be preaching that Jesus saves all sinners. Thank God he's still in the saving business. When Jesus came, he communicated salvation. His Bethel Baptist focused on communicating salvation. Thirdly, and I'll be done. When we look at Mark chapter one, the caring Savior comes communicating salvation. And in verse 16, he is calling soul winners. We begin to see the master's men. Let's look at the people he called. He chose disciples, men that he could train, men he could use to build up his kingdom. And these men were common, everyday, ordinary men. These first four were fishermen. He didn't choose the rich. He didn't choose the religious. He did not choose the socially elite. He chose common fishermen. Verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, may I add that dark, densely populated place, as he walked by there, he saw Simon, that's Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Why? 
because they were fishermen. What did Jesus say to them? He just stopped and said, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I'm glad that Jesus chose them, but Jesus is the one that's going to make something out of them. They are not going to be self-made men. Bethel Baptist Church, you were chosen of God, called of Jesus Christ unto salvation, ordained to communicate the gospel that men need to be saved. Lord, have mercy. What are we doing? Verse 18, the Bible says, immediately those two men, Simon and Andrew, brothers, they forsook their nets and they followed him. Jesus didn't stop there when he called those two out of the boat. There were more in the boat. The Bible says in verse 19, he got a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. They're not casting the net, they're mending their nets. What is mending the net? You know, but you go out, you're casting a net, casting a net, drawing it in, casting a net, drawing it in. But eventually, you get that old slimy fish scale on it, you get the stench of dead flesh and rot and your net begins to uh, need to have some mending. If you think about a net, it's just a bunch of holes tied together. Let me say that again. A net is nothing but a bunch of holes all tied together. May I say the Lord wants to use you to be part of the gospel net. I mean, you and I, we're nothing, but we're all tied together in Him. And the all tied together point is when we're together, that's what brings them in, amen, as we preach the gospel, and it'll catch fish. Not only are they mending their nets because of the rot and the decay and weaving their nets, but, but they go a little further than that. They're beginning to wash the dirt and the filth off of the net. If you're not careful, you'll get dirty, you'll get filthy, you need to be cleansed. There's times we got to hit the altar and say, oh God, I'm good for nothing. Lord, would you help me, Lord, once more to be used of God. God will begin to use your life. The Bible says these two that were in the ship mending the net, weaving them and washing them. Verse 20, he called them. And the Bible says, look what they did. They left their father, Zebedee, in the ship. They left their daddy behind. They, they forsook their family. They, they forsook their father. And the Bible says, and uh, there was also hired servants in the ship. Uh, those were not called to be disciples. James and John were. Peter and Andrew were, and they've gone out leaving their old lifestyle, their fishing business, their family to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, real disciples still leave the old things behind to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask a question right here. Who was it that Jesus chose? Did he choose presidents? Did he choose lawyers? Did he choose bankers? Did he choose the university deans? He called common fishermen. Galileans from a dark place. That's who he called. May I say to you tonight that when he called me, he called someone that was nothing. In a dark place. And he called me. He said, if you'll come after me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. It is still God's plan to use 
ordinary people and calls them to do extraordinary things. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to read right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to look at the 26th verse of this chapter. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God, I like those but gods, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ commenced his ministry, he didn't start an ad agency. He didn't get a campaign on Facebook. He didn't go to some university to get an education. He just began to reveal his plan to ordinary people. And when God saved their souls, they began to tell others how Jesus could change their lives as well. I want to talk about the people that he changed. There was a man in Africa, and he had heard that there were diamonds in Africa, and people were getting rich off of finding diamonds. So this man sold his farm, and he went in pursuit of diamonds. He All the money he got off his farm, he spent everything he had trying to find diamonds in Africa. He'd go anywhere where people advised him to go, and he never found anything. He lost everything that he once had. He went completely belly up and bankrupt. And the Bible, or or, or time would tell us that he jumped in a river looking for diamonds, and he had a heart attack, and he died in that place. The story, that's not the end of it. There was someone who bought the farm that he sold. And a person was looking in a stream on that property and saw a brilliant rock and reached down and it was diamond. In fact, there were diamonds all over that creek bed. And there were diamonds all over that property. Here's a man who left in pursuit of riches and he had acres of diamonds in his very own field that he didn't even, that he wasn't even aware of. Now I'm telling you, there are people that will leave the house of God chasing some dream, some plan that they're after, some title, some position, only to realize there was diamonds all over the area where they, around the seat where they were, where they were serving in church, there was diamonds everywhere. If they had just stayed and served God there, there was diamonds all around them. And may I say to you tonight, around you in your life, there are acres and acres of diamonds. There are ponds and lakes and seas full of fishes that the Lord wants this church to launch out of the deep and go in search of. The Lord wants us to be soul winners. Not only do I see the people that he called, but I also see the purpose that he ordained. Now, now think for a minute. He said in verse 17, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, what's the purpose? What was Jesus' purpose? Y'all know? Jesus, the Bible says, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Do you think that's his purpose? In my Bible, beside Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I've got it written down. The purpose of Jesus. That's his purpose. So I have a question tonight. If you're a follower of his, if you are a follower of his, are you a follower of his? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Then what is your purpose? Should the purpose of Bethel Baptist Church, should the purpose of your family, of your life, not be his purpose? If his purpose is to come to seek and to save that which is lost, should that not be our purpose? Oh, preacher, I can't save them. Yeah, but you can seek them and tell them about who can save them. What are we doing to get the gospel out further? The Lord's challenging my heart. His purpose should be my purpose. Last of all, I'm done. There's a promise that he gave. What's his promise? He said, I will make you to become fishers of men. What are we going to do to become fishers of men. Well, I was reading in Luke chapter 5. Turn there with me. I'm concluding. The Bible says, uh, verse 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. I'm going to tell you something. I believe that's where we are right now. I believe Jesus is in our ship. I got one amen in the whole house. Let me, let me rephrase it then. I believe we're in his ship. And they have... The Bible says, thrust out a little from the land and he's teaching the people. And praise God for it. And that's where we are. But if you're going to become fishers of men, verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. What do we need to do? We need to launch out into the deep. It's more than just Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. It is finding ways, Bible school, maybe outdoor worship. We had people that don't normally come to church were here. You've got to find ways to reach people. Maybe a downtown worship. Oh, I'd never be part of that. That's right, you never will because you won't launch out into the deep. Simon Peter, launch out of the deep. Oh, look what he says. Look what he, Adam, will you come? Will you, will you stand up here? I want you to come up here. I want you to witness this. I want you to witness this. And I want this microphone to pick you up. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've told all night and I've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I've underlined two words in this verse. What are they? You need to underline that. We, thank you, we, nothing. What will we do on our own? Nothing. We, nothing. We've told all night, nothing. We've labored, we've exhausted human effort, nothing. Lord says, launch out into the deep. Dare to do what the other boats are not doing. Launch out into the deep. Simon Peter had enough presence of mind 
and enough faith to say, nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. You see, most of us, this launching out into the deep, that's where most of us are going to fail. When he says launch out of the deep, that's where we stop right there. We're okay with thrusting out a little. That way we can get back to the shore if we need to pretty quick. But when he says launch out into the deep, that's where we worry. Here's our problem. You are never going to launch out. And you'll criticize anybody else that does. For whatever method or, or what, what, whatever they try to do, you'll criticize them because you won't do it yourself. Launch out into the deep. God's dealing with my heart. Look how he, look at the Lord's dependence. He was dependent on the Lord. Lord, nevertheless at thy word, I will let down the net. You're going to have to depend on, you got to do what you can do. And then you're going to have to depend on the Lord to do the supernatural. Honey, he can do it. If you're willing to launch out, trust him. If you're willing to depend on him, he'll do something supernatural. I'm longing to see him do something supernatural. I beg him every day, oh God, get in our church. God, get in your preacher. God, get in our deacons. God, get in our choir. God, get in our marriages. God, get in our young people. God, get in our jobs. God, get a hold of us. Launch out into the deep. <laughs> Let down the net. You know what we have to do? We're going to have to cast the net on the right side. We're going to have to let down the gospel. We're going to have to trust the Lord with something wonderful. I was reading here a while back and the story of, you ever heard of a guy named Edward Kimball? How many of y'all heard of Edward Kimball? Not many people. He was a Sunday school teacher. Most people not heard of him. And he was burdened about a young boy that had come to visit his Sunday school class. And he found out that the young boy was working in a shoe store. And Edward Kimball was nervous about approaching him. Somebody kind of knew, but he was burdened. And he stood outside the shoe store pacing back and forth, said, God, give me the words, give me the right time, let me go forward and say the right thing. And finally, when the last customer walked out, he walked in. He laid his hand on a young man's shoulder. And he said, young man, God gave me a word for you. And that young man turned around and saw his Sunday school teacher and he bowed on his knee and he said, Sir, I need to be saved. And in a shoe store, D.L. Moody got saved when Edward Kimball came to see him. And God called D.L. Moody to be a mighty man of God. And D.L. Moody preached. Thousands of people got saved, one of which was F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer got saved and was called to preach and he went around preaching all over the world and Wilbur Chapman got saved. And Wilbur Chapman reached Billy Sunday, a professional baseball player. And Billy Sunday was preaching, Mordecai Ham got saved. And Mordecai Ham preached the gospel all over and he came to Charlotte, North Carolina and a young man named Billy Graham heard the word of God and got saved and reached thousands and thousands. Of, I'm just telling you, y'all, it just took one Sunday school teacher who said, Lord, I want to trust you. 
And I want to follow you, Lord. I'm going to launch out of the deep. I'm going to go to the shoe store and visit my Sunday school class member. And it looked led to thousands and thousands of conversions. You need to launch out of the deep. You need to be dependent on the Lord and trust him for the supernatural. Honey, and watch what he will do. There was another pastor. He was from Scotland. He was so discouraged. One of his deacons came to him after a year and said, one soul is all you have reached. One young boy with all the vast thousands that live around here. You've reached one boy. And at the end of that service that day, that young boy that had gotten saved went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, God is calling me to the mission field and I don't know where to start, and I don't know what to do. And the pastor put his hand on his back and said, Robert Moffat, let's bow and pray. And Robert Moffat went out and became a missionary and won thousands and thousands and thousands of people that you and I will never hear about in this life. But there was a young man that he won named David Livingstone. And David Livingstone got saved under that ministry and won thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Maybe the greatest missionary that ever lived because one little old Scottish preacher led one young man to faith in Jesus Christ. And it may be all in your life that you ever get to lead to Jesus is just one soul. But that one soul may make the difference of thousands and thousands and thousands. And even if it doesn't, it is one soul that is priceless and is forever valuable. And I'm burdened that you'd get burdened about witnessing when you have the gospel of life that you won't sit here and continue to say, well, should I go or should I not? Do I, do I go and tell this mother that her son's still alive or do I wait till it's convenient? Honey, get on the phone. Get out the word. Jesus is alive. That lives might be changed. Jesus is coming and we don't have time to wait. May I say that tonight, Jesus is still calling his disciples. He's doing it before our very eyes. Would you like to get in on it? Would you like him to make you to become a fisher of men? Not to make them fishers of death, but fishers unto life. I'm burdened about that tonight. Would you stand with me? That's the message God's laid on my heart. If you need to come to the altar, you can do so. I know I'm going to go right now myself, so you, you mind God. Father, I remember that night. I was so burdened. Lord, here I was. You just diddled me about preaching. Lord, I remember seeing that little feller get saved at Backyard Baptist when I was pretending to have church and he really got saved. But Lord, you started dealing with me about really preaching the word. God, I thought I couldn't even explain salvation to anybody. And Lord, right in that spot when I was praying, you remember how Ken reached up and grabbed me by the pants leg and said, Darren, can you tell me how to be saved? Right in the spot I was telling you I couldn't do it. Right in the spot where you said, launch out of the deep. I was making excuses 
and you sent one right into the boat. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. And God, I'm not much, but Lord, if you could use us, would you make us to become fishers of men? Lord, not just in my life only, but God, amongst this congregation, may there be people, Lord, that you will use to be fishers of men. God, through their testimony, through their song, through their witness, through their teaching, through their preaching, through their conversation, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd be pleased to use their life. God, the most fulfilling thing that I've ever been a part of is to see Ken get saved or to see Keith get saved or to see others saved. My daddy told me, he said, son, I found something better than salvation. And I said, daddy, what is it? He said, it's salvation for others. God, there's just nothing as satisfied as testifying and witnessing that Jesus saves and watching someone trust Jesus as their Savior and standing back and watching you wash their sins away and change their lives forever. Oh, God, what an honor. Lord, would you make Bethel to be a soul-saving station. God, would you help us, Lord, to depend on you for the supernatural. God, would you help us to have a deep launch for the glory of God. And Father, if we're not interested in it, if we're just satisfied with status quo, God, use me somewhere. God, that's burdened for souls. God, I pray, Lord, you touch our community. God, there's acres of diamonds all around here. And God, I pray you'd get us burdened for our family, burdened for our friends, burdened for the strangers, burdened for our enemies, the lost and the dying, that they'd be saved before it's too late. Help us, God, I pray. Break our hearts over it, Lord. God, we ought not just to be satisfied with the status quo. Lord, we're not satisfied with talking about fishing. We're not interested in writing a manual about fishing. We're not interested in telling others about how they ought to fish. God, we're interested in really casting the net on the right side for a drought. For your glory, Lord. And for this I pray and ask your supernatural help with in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord, church. My heart just breaking and my heart just burning to death. Longing to see people saved. Burdened about some individuals and maybe you are as well. God knows the need tonight. And honey, he can do it like nobody else can. And I'm so thankful to see what my Savior can do. Anybody have a word on your heart tonight? you're watching online and you're getting ready to have Bible school at your church or if you're watching online and you're getting ready to go preach the gospel on some Sunday morning I challenge you Sunday school teacher find a text and tell them about Jesus don't use your class as a, as a soapbox to stand on use it as a boat to fish from and tell them about Jesus from that passage 
And if you're preaching, son, you tell them about Jesus Christ, that he might change the world. And if you're singing, you sing about Jesus. Uplift his holy name. He's interested in saving souls because I'm telling you something. We're about to get out of here. Jesus is coming soon. This world, son, it hates Christians. It's so mad about Supreme Court decisions and, and mad about gun laws and blaming Christians for it. But I'm going to tell you something. They're mad at Christians. And one day when the Christians are gone, just like this, glad when John the Baptist was locked up, glad when Jesus was crucified. They'll be glad when the church is raptured home. But honey, I have news for you. Seven years later, Jesus is coming back again and the church is coming with him, amen. And the Antichrist and the world will be defeated forever and ever and ever. Honey, I'm telling you, you'll be crying for the rocks and the mountains to fall on you. You need to be saved before it's everlasting too late. The way of a transgressor is hard. It's getting harder and harder and harder to enjoy and live in sin. It's time to turn to Jesus and let him save your soul. Preacher, you preach the gospel. Don't you get discouraged in the days of COVID. Don't you get discouraged because of what the world is doing. Don't you get discouraged because people cuss you and hate you. You preach the word of God anyway. Stand on the gospel.